Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we are going to have an interesting conversation, so I hopefully that will help open your planetary eyes. With a government report that just came out on June uh, in June of 2022 on un- unidentified aerial phenomena, which is we call them UAPs, and with the recent 60-minute story on the U.S. Navy pilots who are sighting and have videos of mysterious images, prominent people in politics, the military, national intelligence, are finally asking the questions, or are they? What are we looking at, and how do we get to know more and more information? I think there are very few things more profound than questions on whether or not we are alone in this universe or we have visitors and ETs or extraterrestrials here when they visit Earth. And some of the questions will be answered today by Dave the Mystic. We are honored to have Dave the Mystic, Dave Bennett. And I'm going to tell you a little bit, Barnett, I'm sorry, Dave Barnett. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Dave the Mystic. He is an energy medicine practitioner. He is a healer and intuitive with over 35 years experience in Colorado, in the great state of Colorado. He has multiple technical degrees and is truly, and I mean truly, a rocket scientist. And in the early 1980s, Dave had some turning points in his life that led him to the passion in discovering and developing his uh, beautiful gifts that he's going to be talking about today multiple forms of energy healing he does. He embarked on a path of training in many, many modalities and developing conceptual understanding of how all these different systems work together and complement each other and support spirituality. Dave Barnett has gifts in healing, reading the Akashic Records, energy and entity clearing, which he just said he's been doing a lot of, changing core beliefs, karma burning, and discerning spiritual gifts. Dave continually, and that's what I love about him, he seeks out new modalities. He learns and experiences them from their practitioner and frequently highlights these on his weekly web radio show. Dave is a strong believer in health issues, having many potential causes in different energy planes. Dave works with many spiritual guides and communicates with them freely. So it is my honor and blessing to introduce to you everyone, Dave the Mystic. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for the kind introduction, and uh, it's great to be on your show again. Well, that's great, and then I had to repronounce your last name to make sure everybody knew that this is David <laughs> Barnett. So I don't know what I said the first time, but so so I thank you for being on the program because lots and lots of people ask me about information about ETs, and although I've been, uh, again, humbled at having opportunity and agreements with ETs that have come and been in people like Christina Rose, one of my blessed, blessed teachers, I do not know a whole lot about them. So I thought it would be a good um, opportunity to talk to you about them. So my first question, Dave, is, is, you know, tell me to pass on any question you want that I ask you. Sure. So are there many intentions like one of the questions we wanted to talk about, the enforcement of the prime directive, first, of the Galactic mm-hmm. Federation. And they've been here, as you say, and many people say, stopping intrusive actions on Earth. So do you want to explain that a little bit to our audience today? Sure. Um, I think it would help to understand, uh, just as a quick uh, quick little over overview, um, 
there are many, many ETs hanging around the planet at this point. Uh, when I check, uh, I get over 340 uh, species or varieties, and the vast majority are either intending to be helpful or, in many cases, are passive. Uh, what we're going right through right now is somewhat unique in the universe uh, at this stage in our development, and many of them want to see and witness and experience it. Uh, because we may be getting ready to go through some major vibrational shifts as part of our spiritual evolution, so they want to be here. There are also some dark ETs. Uh, some of these dark ETs have their own agenda where they want to harass us. Others are in league with certain groups of people on the planet who have ulterior motives uh, that are contrary to what you think is uh, healthy and uh, oh, honors other people's paths in life. So we. We we have all these different ones. One of the, the the prime directive basically from Star Trek says you aren't going to um, interfere with the planet, especially in their politics or their evolution or even their wars. Um, however, uh, we've had uh, past indications that ETs really feel very bad, and they may pick it up energetically uh, besides, and that's with uh, nuclear blasts, especially nuclear blasts that are hostile. And so uh, there are stories that, oh, back in the 60s or 70s, sometime in there, that there was uh, a great big uh, a group of missile silos at one of the Air Force bases that went on alert. And the thing that made it especially troubling for people is that there were uh, UFOs observed over the silos, and many of the mm -hmm. silos had malfunctions and technically couldn't go active on alert like they were expected to. And so there's always been a lot of speculation that the ETs were not going to let us do something incredibly stupid again, like uh, launching nukes on cities or things like that. So uh, they, they they probably walk a very fine line on uh, wanting the best for us and trying to keep us from uh, doing too too bad of things to ourselves here and really screwing it up. So, uh, yeah, I think they're they're, they're all around us. Uh, I, I think if people had the blinders off because they do have ways to uh, blank out their appearance uh, in the sky to uh, make themselves transparent, but also to selectively uh, beam people so they can't see them. If they turned all that off and you could see all the spacecraft uh, hanging around, our, especially our major cities, uh, I think people would just be astounded how many are up there uh, hovering, watching, waiting, learning, observing, taking measurements, uh, trying to, hmm. to do their best to, to keep us from doing something radically wrong uh, that would really mess things up for us. So what is the, um, now many questions have popped up, but so like how about the dark ETs? Why would they want to come around and mess us up even more than we're messed up or stop the evolution? Yeah, this leads into a good good discussion. Um, it is very easy for us in a simplistic way to equate um, uh, technological advancement, you know, knowledge of the arts uh, and sciences with moral development. But just as we can see on our planet, you know, I'm very disappointed by some things. Like one of them is um, just because we know how to manipulate DNA and to build things, uh, does that mean that we should be tinkering around with things that could create potentially deadly viruses uh, or to uh, deliberately do it you know, as uh, something for warfare? You know, to me, that's a, a big moral failure. Uh, one of the classic ones to me is, oh, in the past 10 years, they've gone and dug up some bodies of people who died from the Spanish flu in the 1917, 1919 time frame. Uh, in the Arctic uh, with the hope that the permafrost would have preserved them and that they could harvest potentially the virus that caused the, the Spanish flu. And sure enough, they were able to do it. 
okay, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And I get very tired of technologists in the labs who say, well, it's a paycheck. I'm told what to do, and I go do it. You know, they didn't put their foot down and said, I'm sorry, you can't pay me enough money to go do something that I find reprehensible. Uh, they, they had no moral, no moral compass, no no objection to it. And and I I see that kind of thing happening with a number of ETs, too, where, yeah, they have spacecraft. Yeah, they can fly around our solar system or the universe. Uh, maybe they can bop in and out of universes. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be uh, pure of heart, pure of spirit, when looking at us as being very primitive and, you know, seeing that we're, we're kind of uh, somewhat morally backwards. Uh, so why not do something if there's an advantage for them? Or they may just get some type of perverse delight out of being a little bit sociopathic and uh, tweaking is good. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, they have thoughts of harvesting us for, you know, providing slaves for other planets. I I don't know what, what lies in their hearts, uh, but we just can't make the simplistic assumption that because they're advanced, they're, they're the good guys. And I, I think uh, this type of thinking has inspired a lot of uh, uh, writers and film producers uh, for things like Star Wars and Star Trek, where they deliberately have uh, a mix of you, you look at a group of characters on there from all different races, and yeah. some are hideous looking, and they're good guys, and some are, you know, look like you know pretty nice humans, and boy, they're the rottenest people around. You you, you just don't know, and I think they're trying to decondition us from this uh, natural reluctance to to see uh, uh, see things that don't look like humans but are sentient as as being an enemy. I think they're trying to to work on that very hard through the media. Hmm. Hmm. Are you doing a lot of then? Are ETs is that the type of clearing you're doing then? When you said you were on coast to coast a couple times, and one time you got a um, variety of callers and a lot of callers, and you said you've been doing a lot mm-hmm. of clearing. Is that what you've been doing? Is working on those dark entities or dark ETs? Or well, the the clearing work has two two components. It has dark entities and dark energies. Uh, I will say that uh, in the past several years, I, I've been doing my clearing work since about 2008. But in the past few years, I've started seeing a lot more showing up when I do testing. Uh, I muscle test on behalf of the client for what's there of having dark ETs showing up and interfering with uh, people's properties, with the energies there, with the people. Uh, the other thing uh, that started showing up, and I just added it to my chart in the past uh, six months, is uh, ETs have a lot of underground bases on our planets and on other planets. And uh, there could potentially be uh, uh, like a one-car garage hidden underneath your property, hmm. shifted slightly in frequency. And a lot of these ETs, they're, they're passive. they uh, not good guys, not bad guys, just curious, you know, looky-loos, if you want to call them that. And many of them feel uh, they just make an assumption that uh, as primitive as we are, if they do this, we won't feel it or detect it. And I find many people feel that energy. It's uh, it's like nails on a blackboard. And uh, so yeah. I work with some of the the, the very advanced uh, ETs, uh, like Commander Ashtar and some of the others, Commander K, to uh, move their, their little parking garage out away from people's houses. It's, it's just not to be tolerated. So they aren't bad guys, but they're irritating. Uh, you know, that's problematic. Hmm. So what do you think at this time with the help of ETs for the, for the beings that are on the planet right now, what do you think is our collective soul mission right now? I think uh, Earth, uh, our, our civilization is... Uh, at a rapid conclusion of a phase in our development. And I think we're approaching a sudden increase 
in vibration or frequency, whatever you want to call it, spirituality, uh, I think we're approaching that point. And uh, my feeling is, from my explorations, is that uh, there, there are seven vibrational levels of Earth, and we're on number three. And uh, I already feel like a number of people have left number three and gone to levels four, five, six, and seven, which go up in uh, spirituality, but they still have a physical body. But uh, on number seven, it's like uh, you're, you're darn near just next door to the, the spiritual plane, and you can create with your mind all day long to take care of your needs, and uh, you don't have any social problems. Um, I think we're we're being primed uh, by the creator, by the universe, by the big spiritual picture to uh, kind of reach a culmination of where we are spiritually, technologically, and things like that. And I see a whole lot of what's happening to the planet as being kind of like a boot camp training. And they're trying to get us ginned up, revved up, so that we can make these big shifts uh, when they happen, when they're, they're, when they're coming. And I think a whole lot of the ETs want to be here and witness this to see what it's like and uh, how we make it through the process. Hmm. So I love that when you when you say how you're seeing it, viewing it, and feeling it, and sensing it, that there are seven mm-hmm. levels. And you say that when people are at, did you say this? seventh level what level do people are on when they're able to create kind of heaven on earth or when they're creating and manifesting pretty, pretty much uh yeah the the seventh uh okay you know, there's no need for cities no need for transportation uh people can create their dwellings as desired they they can transport yeah. themselves so they would appear quite miraculous but they would still have what we call a physical body uh they aren't fully uh, in spirit like the people on the spiritual plane who do uh, just about all those things themselves. Um, mm. I also see that there are some people here who may um, may not be comfortable or really be prepared to move upwards, and some may go down to levels two and one. Um, you think of some of the fundamentalist uh, religious groups around the planet who want nothing to do with happiness, color, music, uh, yeah. Any type of balance between men and women. Uh, they, they want to live by strict law, and you know the the universe is accommodating if they feel that that's the life they want. Uh, I think a lot of them will be moved to that kind of level where the living is hard. It's uh, it's joyless. Uh, it's not hell, but it, it's certainly uh, if that's their dream to live in a harsh environment like that and to deny everything else in terms of the arts, you know, uh, and, and even scientific achievement. Okay, yeah, okay, you can go back, you know, sort of live in the Stone Age again if you want. Hmm. Do you help people evolve to that level? Like when people come to you if they're suffering or if they're in pain or they are having difficulty in manifestation what would you, as a healer, as a helper, as a teacher, how would you help people advance to that level? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of key things. Uh, yeah, I, I think one is helping people get a perspective. Okay, you are this person in this lifetime, and from my point of view, you're wearing this uh, deep diver suit so you can interact with people on this planet, and when you wear out the suit, uh, you climb out of the suit and go back home and then look for another chance to come into this ocean with your, your deep diving suit. Um, so don't mm-hmm. take it too seriously about uh, looking in the mirror and saying, that is me and that is all there is. Uh, that, that's a, a rough one. So I, I think getting past that point, um, I also like uh, something that Joseph Campbell had in one of his books, and uh, I think it applies for a lot of people. I try to help them get objective Uh, And he he defines compassion as the joyful participation in the sorrows of the world. And Mm -hmm. I explain that to a lot of people and just say, that's kind of how I approach people when I'm doing my healing work, is that uh, if you go clear back to the Buddha and what kind of shocked him when he uh, was Prince Siddhartha and he snuck out of the palace uh, with his chariot driver, 
he saw three things he hadn't seen before. One was aging, one was sickness, and one was death. And uh, this shocked him to his core, and that's what put him on his spiritual path. And those are still some of the, the pillars within the, uh, the Buddhist thinking, is that we will always have these. These are changeable things, and that's sort of what defines our reality. And uh, so I, I look at it and just say, um, you know, when I'm doing healing work with people, um, they may get healing in ways I don't anticipate. I mean, I'd love it if I had a magic wand and tap everybody and they suddenly heal uh, and walk away and say, okay, I get rid of the wheelchair and the crutches. Uh, that would be great. But healing may come from other angles in terms of their learning, their perception, uh, even their death, their passing may be a, a healing option for them. Well, I think that's true hmm. for so many other things, too, is having a healthy outlook on this life is like, um, okay, I can sit in my room and read the newspaper headlines and just go into a total funk saying, oh, my goodness, look what the Supreme Court did. Look what's happening in Ukraine. Look what's happening. I mean, we just had a truck full of uh, people trying to smuggle across the border, and they, they've all died down there, or, or half of them have died in the other half, or many of them are in critical condition. Yeah, I can look at all that and say, oh, my God, you know. But the flip side is uh, I, I love the little story about the, there, there's a little boy on the beach, and due to the, the wave action, thousands of starfish have been washed up on the sand, and they're away from the water. And he's walking down the beach, throwing the starfish back into the ocean. And, uh, and this man walks by and in his well-meaning way says, well, there's no way he can throw them all back in. And the little boy says, no, but the ones I throw in sure appreciate it, and uh, I, love that I, I think that's sort of the, yeah. yeah. I think that's sort of the sort of the viewpoint we have when when we're on this planet is we make the best of it. Uh, we find ways to enjoy it. Uh, we let go of the bad memories and we form good memories. We we form good friendships. Uh, for for people who are having a tough time, we try to help them. For people who are create a tough time for others. We try to uh, shut them down and put them in a safe place so they can learn and uh, grow themselves uh, without, you know, condemning them. Uh, so I, I think we're, we're here with so many opportunities to grow. One of the cool things on uh, some of the channeled information from ETs is, I've seen this a couple times, some of the ETs say in these channelings, you can make more spiritual progress on the earth in 10 minutes than you can on their planet in a thousand years. Uh, and that sounds really uh, outrageous, except that uh, many of the advanced and evolved ETs, they've evolved past the point where they have most emotions, uh, because in their evolutionary path, they found that those uh, were kind of uh, intrusive and held them back. So they, they got rid of emotions. And uh, they have universal telepathy. So you can't have any uh, bad guys on their planet thinking thoughts of, gee, I think I might go rob a bank today because uh, other ETs are going to pick up on that vibration. They're going to hear the thought, and they're going to intervene and just say, uh, you don't understand how we work here. Uh, let us help, help you understand it. Uh, maybe you need a little bit of time out here. And, uh, you know, people kind of question that. And I said, well, just think how our Earth and our society would change if we had universal telepathy, um, you know, pretty quickly we, we wouldn't have criminals anymore because every time somebody started thinking about that stuff, there'd be an intervention of some kind. Uh, and, and it would, but it would change the opportunity here on the planet to experience that. And, you know, from my point of view, when you come in and incarnate, you may have um, other people incarnate with you who are going to be the bad guys in your life to give you challenges to see how you handle it. Now, it's unpleasant when you're here because you, you don't remember any of those negotiations where you said, okay, uh, let's see, you be the robber and I'll be the victim. Uh, you don't remember those conversations. Uh, when you're here, you just take them at face value, which is absolutely appropriate because you're going to learn from taking it at face value on how you react to it and how you grow from it. And uh, so I, I just think this is, you know, just a wonderful classroom and, uh, there, there's a lot to be said for spiritual advancement and maturing where you don't get so hung up on it and you don't take it as uh, shaking your fist at the sky and saying, God, why? Why me? You know, this, this uh, 
this unbridled anger at, you know, why were you singled out for, for this horrific treatment? And it's like, well, no, um, nothing here happens by chance. So whether you like it or not, you're involved in the decisions and the opportunities here. Now, how are you going to make the best out of it? You know, you, you get in a car wreck and lose a leg. How are you going to make the best out of that? Um, I've seen totally inspirational people on videos where they don't have any arms and they drive a car. Wow, you know, fantastic. They don't yeah. sit at home and say, poor me, I don't have any arms. Uh, there's even one guy who's a torso, and he goes out and gives uh, talks. He's from Australia or something. And very inspirational. He kind of uh, hops around the stage, you know, on what he has left. And he didn't let it stop him. He's out there with his message. And uh, so you, you see people like this, and you just say, okay, so with the tools I have, with the learning I have, challenges I've had, uh, even the bad experience I've had, how am I going to make the best out of that and have a great time? Again, that joyful participation in the sorrows of the world. How am I going to make it better for me? How am I going to make it better for others? Hmm. I love that. I love that. Because it is true if we look at life on earth as a school for the soul in some ways, that that our life lessons are kind of the curriculum in which we enrolled in and that we've come here to journey through this life, which isn't linear, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes those life lessons continue to keep on coming back, coming back, coming back. Because I always ask people, well, wow, what do you think you came here to get you, your PhD in? And mm-hmm. one woman <laughs> told me, she said, to understand the workings of my body because she has so many things going on in her body. Because, you know, I, I think when I came back that I came back to get my PhD in um, uh, really in the area of love, that I've Mm -hmm. had love pulled away from me, pushed away from me, all that stuff. So I think I came to get my PhD in this earth lesson, soul lesson, is love no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. So, So when you came in to your body this time, do you do you call yourself an ET yourself from a different planetary system, from a certain level of consciousness to do the work that you do? Well, people use the term star seed to imply that you have uh, uh, genetics of an ET, um, and other people use terms hybrid. Um, certainly something special has has been done to me or for me or provided to me. Um, and I am I think maybe uh, that was planned, you know, before I was born. Uh, I think very much it was. But, uh, you know, I've mentioned before I had an experience when I was four years old and on a Saturday um, around lunchtime, I disappeared. And... Uh, it got to the point where my mom, my mom was so concerned, she shook out all the neighborhood kids to, to search for me, bushes, you know, and crawl spaces under houses, you know, if you could get under the porch, uh, searched our house, you know, looked in all the closets, make sure I wasn't playing hide-and-seek in some misguided game. And I was gone for uh, two to three hours. And then suddenly somebody found me, and I was laying on the floor uh, asleep between a bed and a wall. And... Obviously, in plain sight, you know, they would have seen me in, in looking around, you know, because they were looking under beds and everything. And uh, it's always been a puzzle in our family. And several years ago, I went and I had a hypnotic regression because I said, I want to find out what happened on that. And I found out that, uh, that this was in Chicago, that somehow, psychically, I had detected uh a Palladian spacecraft going over that contained uh, close friends of mine from my previous existence with them. And I transported myself onto that spacecraft. And I rode around with them for a couple hours, and then they returned me. And I think some part of that was they they did a little bit of uh, mind shutdown on me, so I I wouldn't be uh, fearful when I, I sort of snapped back into human reality. And, and there sat dormant until I, I went and had this uh, 
hypnosis session and uh, totally fascinating. Uh, but there's there's something very special that connects me to the Pleiadians and in the years uh, that I've been really looking into the ETs and uh, using my uh, intuitive gifts to, to work that way, uh, I've made several journeys to uh, the Pleiades to to see how they live, how they uh, experience life. And it's uh, it's a very highly evolved and a very spiritual uh, a very spiritual race. And so, you know, th these are opportunities. So I, uh, yeah, I see that. I, uh, I just continue to, to find out what it means. And, uh, but it, what I've also been discovering is uh, I, I'm looking into people being energetically hybridized. Uh, so I'll explain that for you in a moment. Uh, but I'll, I'll pause here and, and see uh, what your next question is. <laughs> well, that that's interesting because when you say, e, like, ETs are already among us in plain sight, mm -hmm. you know, they always talk yes. about the government finally disclosing and having a disclosure in the next even few years. And I always think, huh, mm -hmm. well, has that disclosure already taken place? So, are you, am I, are we, are there a lot of ETs among us in plain sight doing this type of work? Yes. Uh, several years ago when I, I tested, muscle tested a couple of times, I got numbers uh, around 4 or 5% of everybody you see as you walk around um, is uh, some form of non-specific human uh, then they aren't exactly a human. They're 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 something else. Uh, whether they're ETs or they're they're hybrids, uh, things like that. And so that's a pretty big number. You know, getting upwards of you know one out of twenty as you walk down the street. Uh, so they're hmm. they're they're highly among us. Uh, some of them, uh, when they're around us, uh, they deliberately dress outlandishly uh, because people, due to social reasons are afraid to, to look and stare at somebody wearing, you know, you know, fluorescent color outfit, you know, and uh, wear a raincoat on a sunny day, you know, things where you just say, uh, I, I'm sorry, that person probably has a little bit of mental illness. You know, I, I can't stare at them. Well, they do, they know that, so they do that exactly so you won't stare at them, and they can get by with it even if they aren't looking exactly human. Um, you know, frequently you see something wrong with the eyes. The, the eyes are usually wider set, uh, they're set apart farther, and um, rather than being uh, the normal uh, almond shape, uh, they have more of a, a widening at the outer sides, outer edges of the head. And so, uh, and sometimes you see a, a very strong tapering of the, the jaw down to a very narrow uh, chin. Um, so you, you see some things like that where it's just, wow, you aren't from around here, are you? Um, but we, we have a lot of them hiding in plain sight. Uh, occasionally you might see a nondescript car, and I've seen a few of these where I, I know just as soon as they turn the corner and they're out of sight that the wheels fold up and they fly off, you know, and disappear. Um, so they, yeah, they're, they're around us uh, without trying to uh, uh, control us or command us, so to speak. Uh, so there, there are a lot. Um, I, I've seen. Yeah, uh, you kind of gave the description of what Lady Gaga looks like. I mean, really. Yeah. If yeah. You take I know. Take a look at I your know. description. Uh, right in front of my eyes was a picture of Lady Gaga that she's an ET in full disclosure here upon the planet, as much as all of us who can see that. Because when you take a yeah, look at her when eyes I'm and her chin. Yeah, that comes out pretty strong. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it makes me think of Men in Black One, where they're showing the new recruit. You know, all the all the pictures of different you know rock stars and stuff, and say, "Yeah, that's one. That's one. That's one." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, not the truth. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, speak to us of a hibernate. What did you say? A hibernized. E.T.? What is yeah, that? hybridized. Well, a very popular term used in a lot of things now is, and it has been for a number of years, is E.T. hybrids. And the, 
the original thinking of it was is that when uh, people are taken on their spacecraft, uh, they had either uh, egg cells or sperm uh, harvested and then used to hybridize in laboratories uh, uh, ET children and then uh, to, in some cases, plant them back here. And there, there are pictures of some of these kids, and, and you see them. But that, that speaks to the idea that it's strictly along the lines of a genetic mix, you know, 50-50. Um, um, about nine years ago, I had a, an inspiration that I started checking, and I found that people were being energetically hybridized. And when this happens, there's no need for uh, uh, a physical presence, uh, you know, to, to make something happen. And also, it's not strictly along the lines of, you know, 50% or 25%, you know, a half a fourth and eighth, you know, those types of standard uh, genetic mixes that we get here with uh, different mixes of uh, racial backgrounds. Um, so I, I started doing a chart, and uh, I have categories on it. I have, like, a, a box for human, a box for ET, a box for angelic, a box for gods and goddesses for that energy, a box for ascended masters, uh, a box for dragon energy. and uh, I muscle test on those to look at the percentage of each one. And what I usually find if, is if I check on the history of the person, what were they when they were a child or when they were as born, uh, I'll get like 90%, you know, human and, you know, a smattering of the others. And uh, a lot of people now when I check, they're somewhere uh, 50 to 60% human, have a fair amount of ET and a fair amount of, angelic, and this is an energetic hybridization. I do find some people where they're human may be down around 20 to 30 percent, and uh, this can lead to problems. Uh, they have too much ET or, or too much angelic. Uh, the characteristics that I see when they have too much, most of the ETs out there are, you know, um, they come from places where they don't have the social challenges we have. And so conceptually, they can be uh, sort of shocked that on this planet, we don't guarantee uh, food or shelter or clothing. We, we don't guarantee the basics of survival for everybody here. Uh, we'd like to think we take care of everybody, but we know we don't. And there are people who uh, are, are in severe straits due to poverty all around the planet. And they... Uh, they scrape by, and you, you hope that they, they get enough that they don't die. Well, well hypothetically, um, these, uh, these ET races can be aware of that, and the same is true of angelic beings. Uh, the angels, a lot of them hypothetically are aware that Earth can be a tough place. Well, if that energy comes into a person uh, through this energetic hybridization, and it's at too high a level, some of that thinking may come through, and the people may just kind of uh, recoil away from life because they have too much of that. They're, they are not prepared for the consciousness that says how bad Earth can be in terms of how people either treat each other or don't care of each other. And uh, so I find in some of these sessions uh, that I'm allowed to work with some spiritual beings to go in and alter that mix to make the human percentage higher and lower the other ones so that they aren't so psychologically troubled by uh, how we do things here. And usually that gets very good results. Uh, you know, I, I get people who are um, uh, maybe uh, parents of, you know, teenagers who are going through some type of crisis, and I'll check on this and find out that, yeah, some of these, uh, some of these kids are just way too high on the uh, ET or angelic scale, and it is uh, affecting them emotionally uh, quite a bit. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because a lot of people, when we talk about, I just want to go home. I just, I just want to go yes. home. Mm -hmm. And because, and they say, I've come here for this. Uh, at mm -hmm. this chaotic time, I've come here, I've come here, and it's very difficult. So do you think that that's the reason why 
we are seeing this upscale in suicide right now upon the planet yes. because mm-hmm. they need a balancing right now or yes they're 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 out of balance they're losing perspective they they haven't been seasoned uh this is one of my analogies that i use uh so let's pretend you you're uh, a wealthy young man in london in the 1880s and uh at that time England ruled the world. The sun never set on the British Empire. And uh, you hear about these exploits of your friends and their dads who've done, uh, like, uh, shipping and import and export about exotic Africa. And you say, I want to go down to Africa. I want to go see the jungle. I want to explore. I want to see the wild animals. And, and uh, you know, your parents are wealthy enough, so they uh, they outfit you and a bunch of your friends to go. And you get down there and... You know, it's uh, the first couple of days are, wow, this is cool. And then after that, this is a grind. Uh, we are dealing with poisonous snakes. We're dealing with uh, nasty bugs and terrible infections and, uh, you know, different types of ticks and parasites and uh, wild animals. And it's hot. It's humid. And uh, we wade in the water and we get leeches. I mean, just everything you can think of. And... There's two ways to respond to that. One is, wow, we're having the adventure of a lifetime, suck it up, you know, those are minor inconveniences. Or it's like, wow, I'm being tested in ways I never expected, and I'm not doing well, and I'm failing. And uh, But then when you uh, finally get out of there and get back to England, and everybody says, wow, what was it like? You're going to tell them the high points. You're going to tell them, oh, we saw elephants, we saw, you know, tigers, we saw this, we... You know, we we had to escape from a lion, uh, these types of things. Uh, You're probably not going to go back and say, I was miserable the whole 30 days. Uh, Gosh, I've come back with tropical diseases that make me feel like my ears are falling off. Um, And so that's sort of what we have to view Earth-like is, um, you know, we have this rich opportunity to come here to take on a body, to experience and explore and to try things. And we need to take advantage of the opportunity to grow through it and uh, however that turns out, not to uh, give up and say, oh, wow, this this is just too much for me. I I can't take it. You know, um, unless you're uh, terminal or you have an intractable pain that doctors agree, you know, nothing can be done for you and and life is just horrible like that, I I really don't think that uh, the spiritual plane appreciates it when you commit suicide because uh, they they invest a lot of time and trouble into getting you here and, and giving you the experience of a lifetime and there were lots of plans that went into place for this and uh, if you just say oh, I'm pulling the plug I'm going home uh, they're they're disappointed you know it's uh, mm-hmm. Gosh, you, you need to tough it out. You need to grow through that experience. It, it meant a lot to you when you signed up for it because you saw how it checked a lot of boxes on experiences you've never had before. And then you go there and you say, oh, I, I just can't do it. I just can't take it. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, I think there's there's consequences in the spiritual plane uh, if you commit suicide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I read someplace or heard someplace, if you only knew how many things had to come together in order to get you on this earth plane, whether it's even the Mm -hmm. development of your cells, dividing into more cells and organs, but all the galaxies exploded to bring all the right combination for you to enter upon the planet. And if we only would recognize that journey and... um, that it is a gift, that it is a a gift and an opportunity of a lifetime, which many people do not understand when we say, wow, this is an opportunity of a a lifetime being on this planet at this time. So what would you suggest to those people who say, like, really, I came here? Uh, Where is the opportunity? I mean, if they... Where they would ask me, I know, like, okay, so what's the opportunity here? How would you answer that question to the star seeds who've come here? The, 
I think one of the first questions, and this is a tough one, I didn't realize how tough this was until I started getting deer in the headlights, eyes at uh, metaphysical fairs that I was working. And you just ask somebody, what makes you happy? Hmm. I swear, you think yeah. you'd ask people to pull down their pants and walk around naked in the, in the room. Uh, <laughs> I would agree with you, you, you know? totally. Yeah. And so you've got to do some real work to figure out what makes you happy. Um, and part of that work is going to be, well, I'm in control of my emotions. I have to acknowledge that I make me happy. I'm the one who controls how I interpret my experience. And therefore, there's a whole lot of stuff out there that I can do that makes me happy if I allow it to make me happy. But in the big picture, what makes you happy if you can come up with a plan that says, gee, I would be happy if I learned how to program computers and uh, became a, a coder in a, in a large corporation doing some really cool software. Okay, if you set that as your task today, within three years, you can be doing that. What does it mean? It means you have to become single-minded about it. When your friends say, gee, let's go out drinking tonight, you're out to say, no, I need to save my money and I need to study. You guys have a good time. I'll take a little break later on, but I've got to get back to this because I have a bigger goal. I have a big picture for me. And they might walk off laughing and say, yeah, go for it, Brainiac. And uh, I guarantee if you, every time you have a choice on, does the thing I'm anticipating doing or being asked to do get me closer to my goal or farther away from my goal, if you always choose gets me closer to my goal, it will happen. It, it will wonderfully happen. Uh, but you have to be persistent, and uh, nothing comes you know easy or for free, and uh, you have to stick to it. So, uh, yeah. So I think the big things are number one, getting a healthy perspective on what makes me happy. How do I how do I find happiness? And then number two is how do I go after that goal? You know, what am I going to do to change my life, my circumstances? Am I going to keep you know uh, living like I am? You know, where I just coast day to day and I don't make any progress. Well, if you don't, you know, determine that you're going to make a change to start moving forward, um, you, you have thousands of days ahead of you that are just going to be like today. And, um, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now, you're going to look back and say, wow, I had a whole lot of time there, a whole lot of opportunity. I never took advantage of it. And, uh, you know, here I am, uh, in poor physical health, sitting on the porch, watching the cars go by, and uh, I don't have a great future. And I don't really have a lot of pride in my past. Um, so you, you, have to, uh, you have to make those decisions that you want to move forward, you want to take advantage of it. And, and once you make that decision, uh, man, lots of opportunities will come your way. Uh, you'll find a lot of people who want to help you reach your dreams. Uh, one way or another, through encouragement, maybe financial support, maybe stepping stone jobs, uh, maybe the right letter to go into a college to get you admitted. Who knows? Uh, once you start showing that attitude, and uh, uh, you, you can't sit and you know play the victim and say, "Well, I never had any opportunity. Nobody took care of me. My parents didn't go to college. All that stuff." And to me, that's that's baloney. Uh, if, mm -hmm. if you have the dream, if you have the vision of what you want to do and you're wanting to put the energy into it, uh, you'll make it happen. Uh, it just will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree totally with you. I agree totally with you. So the next question is, is, what about all this government report stuff that just came out in April and in June and um, the recent 60 Minutes story on the U.S., maybe pilots, sightings, and videos? So... Has this been a mystery to them? Have they known this all along, national intelligence, um, and that they've hidden this information of ETs here upon the planet and flying saucers, or are, is it really new to them and they're just beginning to bring that out to the public? Well, I think that uh, there, there's two, two faces to this. Uh, I am. Um, 
I absolutely believe that uh, from what, what I've read, the people I've talked to, the people uh, I've seen their presentations, uh, I truly do think that we've been involved in finding ways to create spacecraft uh, as a technology option in, in very uh, classified programs for close to the last 80 years. And uh, I, I do think it's very credible that we've reverse engineered uh, alien spacecraft to, to find uh, the secrets of propulsion and that we're using that. And uh, so I, I think it's very credible with the idea. I believe it's true that we do have bases on other planets and we do have expedited ways of getting there with spacecraft. I think the uh, the conventional path of standard aircraft, uh, jets, and uh, uh, standard rockets to get to orbit, uh, to me, that's a little bit of a sham program. Uh, that's, uh, that's for public consumption. That's uh, the PR face of it. I'm not sure why it is so... Uh, so feared to reveal to the public that we have these other capabilities, uh, other than there might be some pretty upset people about all the money we've wasted on standard aircraft and spacecraft that, uh, given that we have these other capabilities, we never needed to spend that way. Um, so I'm not sure. Um, there may be also under undercover agreements about um, how we would use this technology uh, in order not to weaponize it to uh, uh, attack other countries. So there may be some other uh, other treaties that are far from the public view on this. But I think what's happening with stuff like the Air Force with that is uh, they do have to acknowledge, uh, to me that clearly isn't the first time that's happened. That's just the first time that somebody kind of leaked it, and they probably leaked it specifically to get it out there on the street. Um, if, you, uh, if you've been looking at the Internet for the past 10 or 15 years, the number of videos that show spacecraft hovering over airports and other, uh, other buildings, um, it goes far, far beyond, you know, probably what are some of the, the few spoofs that people put together, you know, with invisible string and models. Um, but there are so many out there that are so credible. You know, I have many uh, law enforcement witnesses uh, who will attest to it. Um, so, you know, to me it's kind of like Johnny come lately that the Air Force is saying, well, you know, we finally caught, caught some on film on a, you know, a, a reconnaissance camera or something. Uh, I, I think they just, uh, this is part of a plan to slowly uh, reveal that, yeah, they're here, and uh, we have to acknowledge it. But so many other people have been seeing that for so many years that uh, it's just kind of like th this really isn't a big shock here. You know, the, no. uh, we're, we're still looking at the point for the, the big reveal when, uh, you know, a spacecraft uh, is escorted and deliberately lands in front of the White House and some beings come out and, you know, in front of the cameras and say hi. and There'll be a lot of people say, I knew it was true, you know, just waiting. There'll still be some people say, this is faked. It looks like a Hollywood thing. And uh, they'll never believe it. Uh, but you you have to look at the psychology of people. Uh, Margaret Mead was involved in uh, early discussions with government officials about uh, what they would do with Project Blue Book. You know, the idea, uh, do people, how will they accept the idea that there's other uh, alien races out there that might be visiting, and uh, based on some of her recommendations, a lot of it was, uh, well, we need to discount this and everything because it would be uh, too unsettling to the average average person out on the streets to, to think that this is happening. Uh, I kind of think that's a flawed approach. I think uh, people probably would have been a lot more accepting of it, and uh, you know, hopefully with uh, where we've gotten to now, we've gotten away from a knee-jerk reaction that if a <clears throat> spacecraft landed on your yard and, and somebody starts to walk down a ramp, your your knee-jerk reaction is not to grab the shotgun and shoot them. You know, that's yeah. uh, uh, mm -hmm. the big dream on, uh, you know, trying to uh, change people's consciousness about what this might mean. Hmm. 
And are a lot of people, do you think, at this time going up in spaceships during their dream time or even their awakened time, you know, just as you had had that first experience? So do you think a lot of Mm -hmm. our humanity and star beings being taken on spaceships and implanted with information or guidance or... Yeah, I I think there's probably a lot of that going on. Um, And who knows if they don't have some uh, uh, alarm clock in your head that either they can trigger remotely or someday just it it will hit its time and suddenly, you know, thousands or millions of people will come forward and say, now I do remember. I do remember being on there. Uh, And I I know it's not a dream. and maybe they have a little tattoo or they brought back a uh, a relic or something off of the, the spacecraft that they put in a drawer, didn't know what it was. And now they remember that, uh, you know, the ET gave them this little, you know, special rock that has uh, crystal properties that give them information or something. You know, who knows? But I I think we're being primed that way. It's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, the one that I'm a little doubtful about is... Um, when they built the DIA airport, Denver International, um, they had to build three great big tunnels uh, that go out to the remote concourses A, B, and C. And two of the tunnels were designed to take the train, and the third tunnel was designed to take an automated baggage system that after a year they got rid of it because uh, it damaged so much luggage and just didn't work right. It was untested technology. And so that third tunnel became... Uh, a route that tugs can uh, pull in luggage from those concourses back to the the baggage claim. Uh, well, the stories about these tunnels and everything out there have somehow evolved into there's there's secret deep down uh, excavated places out there, and they they collect children, and the children are used uh, they're they're eaten by some of these ET races or taken off planet and eaten, and uh, I. I just can't buy into that. I, uh, I, I don't think it's happening. But you, you do see it on the conspiracy theories. So I, mm-hmm. uh, that one I'm pretty skeptical about. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I, I agree. I've read those, and, and I just never got any type of confirmation that that is happening whatsoever. Yeah. And. Um, and I think it's interesting. I think the words that you use, I I just can't buy into that. And our level of consciousness, when we do buy into a conspiracy, I always tell everybody, our when we buy into it, our consciousness carries weight, and it creates yeah. a a lot of stuff. Our our energy carry wait and when we put it next to a conspiracy or when we direct it towards that we're giving that weight uh in our reality Mm -hmm. and i always tell people be very very careful on where you put your consciousness and where you put your energy and that's the reason why i think i came here to get my phd in love uh and mm-hmm. I know I I do look like a little Pollyanna in many ways, and I always say love is the answer. Love is the answer. Even my sweet Christina Rose says, "Well, you can't love this way. You have to energetically work on on this." So, um, but she she loved me and tolerated me, and I loved her, and I learned so much from her. My uh, spatial being friends. So are many mm-hmm. of our leaders at this time? Let's go just a little bit into walk-ins and someone had told me or I had read that many star beings are uh, being walking in right now to certain leaders around our globe. Is Can you confirm that or talk about that a bit? If I look at... Uh walk-ins happening with leaders around the globe. I get a level of consciousness check when I check that. I look for 280 or above to be a yes. I get a 100, 200, 300, 290, 280. So I get a very low yes on that. So it's probably happening okay. some. Uh, but, you know, walk-ins are happening for other people. And whether or not they're ET walk-ins or just other souls that have an opportunity to come in and take over a, a perfectly good body when the original born-in soul wants to leave, you know, that's, uh, there's always some options there. Uh, 
One of the other ones you hear a lot about are uh, reptilians, which are uh, a particularly nasty sort. Um, some people are clairvoyants claim that they see them even on TV, if not in person, uh, where they're walking around behind some of the political leaders with their, their hands, uh, lower hand like at the lower back and upper hand at the, the back of the neck, and it's like they're, they're tapped into the, the spinal cord of those leaders and manipulating them like puppets. And uh, so that's a little worrying, too. I sometimes go in and try to check on that for a particular person, but I, I don't do that very much. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's, uh, that's another one of those uh, um, sort of conspiracy uh, viewpoints. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I, you know, again, people will ask me, so if all of you healers and extractors and exorcists and beings, why can't you go into Putin uh, or any of our leaders and change or extract or do an exorcism on that particular soul being? What would you say to that? Well, here's, here's one of those things. Uh, there are a lot of people dying in Ukraine, and from the spiritual plane point of view, uh, no death is an accident or unplanned. And when you have a lot of people dying in a situation like that, then you have to look, okay, did those people agree as a group to die there because they're making a point? And then you have to look at, well, what is the point they're making? Uh, for example, when the, the Twin Towers came down with 9-11, uh, those people had a group agreement, and the group agreement is probably uh, we'll sacrifice our lives because we want to show um, how horrific it is to have a terrorist attack against the civilian population. Well, you think that, well, that would stop it. Well, it doesn't necessarily stop it. It stopped us sort of on that scale. We we really put the screws to uh, security restrictions. But you can look at uh, what Putin is doing now. Now, you know, to be fair, he might have had a contract in spiritual plane where they said, you're going to have... Uh, an interesting life uh, if you take this on, and ultimately you're going to be vilified as the bad guy because you're going to make these decisions. But it's critical that the whoever, whatever soul is in this uh, Putin role and body has to go through with it because there are significant lessons to be learned that have been agreed to at a very high level by many uh, people who will be impacted by it. So... Uh, unless I go in and really do a lot of work, I don't know if he's a bad actor who had a chance to do good or if he's a person who's a bad actor because uh, that was what he agreed to do when he came in to take this life. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. I mean, that, well, that's where you, you just can't be uh, judgy, judgy out there, so to speak. Um yep. And, um, you know, I, I don't judge people and say, oh, you're, you're, uh, you're a bad guy for shooting, shooting him and you should be uh, cursed and go to hell. Uh, that to me is judgment. I, I can be observational and I can be objective and say it's not good when somebody shoots another person and we ought to do what we can to stop it. Um, but I'm not, I'm not acting like I know exactly karmically and everything uh, why that person did it and what's going to happen to them, and uh, I should encourage bad things to happen to them. I, I don't know all the particulars, so unless I look into it, uh, I just reserve judgment. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yep, I think that's the best thing to do. I think that's the best thing to do. That's how you kind of know you're an ET <laughs> as you come here on the planet and do your thing. So. <laughs> So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, Mr. Dave the Mystic, how do they do that? Uh, the best way is go to my website, uh, DaveTheMystic.com, and there is a, an email mailbox there thing that where you can send an email to me, and uh, please pay attention to the information that I need, such as your phone number and your time zone, uh, and sort of... Uh, if you look at my services I offer, uh, it's helpful if you tell me a little bit about your situation. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to schedule appointments with people and try to help them as best I can. 
Great, great. And when you tell them your blog talk radio show, how can they get on to Dave the Mystic, the blog talk show that you give? Yeah, it's it's every Monday night, and it's live at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, so that would be 9 Central and 10 Eastern, 7 California. And uh, it's uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Dave the Mystic. And if you uh, really need something to do, I have about 580 shows archived. So there's lots of wow. listening pleasure there for weeks and weeks and weeks. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I've been doing it for a while. <laughs> yeah, you have been. You have been. Well, it is an honor to have you on the Pure Hope Show. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I know that um, we had to postpone our star gathering, uh, but we are going to be doing that virtual from the Hope Interface Center, and Dave the Mystic has agreed to be at our star gathering around the solstice, so we will get all of Dave's information out there to you on our website and we will also get information to our listeners about the star gathering, virtual star gathering that we were going to have around the solstice of this year. So I appreciate you being on the air with us today, my love. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, I wish you all the best on your, your endeavors. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, my beloved listeners, without you, we would not have a program. So I want you to go out there tonight or the next night, and I want you to do some star bathing. I know that many people do forest bathing, (laughs) but not very many people do star bathing. And I am one who loves to do star bathing. So I get out there, and what I feel is my expansiveness, the wonder of all that's going on and the potential to receive information and downloads and just to remember of your starseed soul that has come here upon the planet and that you're connecting to the star systems. So we love all of you. We are here for all of you as we awaken in this wonderful, wonderful world of which we live in. Until we meet again for next month, namaste, namaste, namaste. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Dave, so very much. Thank you. You take care. Bye. Mm -hmm. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Rev. Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.